Hello, before we start with the Book Shambles Author Extra this week, which is with Nick Revel. Just to remind you, if you are a Patreon supporter at the $3 or above tier, or if you would like to become one, our first live online book club is this coming May 19th. Uh, Obviously, it would be this coming May 19th. We wouldn't give you a year's notice. I meant to say this coming Saturday on the May May 19th. This has gone terribly. This coming Saturday, May 19th at 5pm, will be our first live online book club. The book we'll be discussing is Galapagos by Kurt Vonnegut. Robin, Josie and myself will be live online, uh, probably on YouTube. We will send you the private link to that this week. Make sure you are there. And a couple of other quick announcements. We put out the trailer this Friday, May 11, on Richard Feynman's 100th birthday, or would have been his 100th birthday, for our new documentary, All Genius, All Buffoon, 100 Years of Richard Feynman. That is presented by Robin and features new interviews with uh, Helen Chersky and Brian Cox and Marcus Chown and John Butterworth. And music from uh, Rachel Fisher and Grace Petrie and other people as well. You can check out the trailer for that at cosmicshambles.com slash Feynman100. The full documentary will be out soon. And thanks to our Patreon supporters for that. Without your contributions, we wouldn't be able to make book shambles or other projects like that as well. And if you're our Patreon supporter, there's uh, an extended version of that trailer with a video intro from Robin on the site now. And this week as well, we announced the final guest for our live book shambles events at Royal Albert Hall. So on June 4, it is Alan Moore and Lucy Green. And on June 11, it is Adam Buxton and the newly announced Hannah Fry. So make sure you go to the Albert Hall website to get tickets for those June 4 and June 11. And while you're there, get tickets for the June 15 show, uh, the Space Shambles show in the main hall, if you haven't already. Robin, Chris Hadfield, Apollo Astronauts, Festival of the Spoken Nerds, Stuart Lee, Jim Al-Khalili, and, and lots of other amazing surprise guests. So go and check that out. And now on to the episode. <laughs> Um, I'm okay. with uh, Nick Revel, who uh, we're currently sharing a house for the long weekend, and uh, he's, um, some of his behaviour's been good, some of it's been not so good. Uh, on Friday <laughs> night, we agreed to, to meet up back here quite early, about kind of 11, 11.30 at night, after watching Simon Day, and uh, Nick said, oh yeah, I'm not been feeling that well, so I'll just be popping back for a cup of tea. I had to wait up for two hours. And then he, he's, he's stumbled in, and with, with a look of, of delighted confusion on his face, was this kind of uh, Damascene elation a beatification that had occurred and uh it was um he'd spent the uh, the last two hours of friday night in the pub with peggy seager yeah. amongst others and, and we'd both just seen peggy seager uh talking for an hour with with uh, peter curran uh talking about her, her her life what was in her memoir and it was uh beautiful and fascinating and uh it she had i mean you, you were saying that, that there is something about her where when people have met her, when people have watched her, mm. the ease with which she moves around a room. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to put into articulate words. And the people I was with uh, on Friday night, after she left and we were standing outside the pub trying to work it out, we were all quite lost for words. Um, she's Because she's incredibly captivating. She dominates the conversation without actively trying to she just asks questions and makes conversation like any civilized person would but all the attention becomes drawn to her as as, as the center of the conversation and um she's got an incredible energy 
I've never met anybody who seems so comfortable in their own skin. I mm. think that's what it is, you know, that kind of that kind of grace and poise that you might see, I don't know, in an extraordinary footballer on the pitch where you can just tell they're the best. <laughs> or the way somebody runs, you know, a great middle distance runner runs with a complete absolute ease and everything's working together. It's the same thing with her in terms of social situations. She's just... Um, She's just fascinating and uh, asks really kind of, not intrusive, but penetratingly interesting questions all the time. And um, so suddenly you're sitting around a table with people that, most of whom I know vaguely, but not terribly well, and suddenly you feel you've been bonded into some kind of um, deeper level of, of familiarity that would normally take you, I don't know, two years of living in a student house together or something like that. Um, well, when she was walking around the church before the show started, she was just going up to people, chatting to them, mm-hmm. pitching, uh, oh, you look cold, do you want to hold my coffee for a while? Cause mm-hmm. you, more. you know, just this yeah. kind of... Uh, and, ter- and again, yes, yeah, this totally this, natural. This tremendous ease. affected about it. It's just... Well, that's what we genuine. think, but then suddenly, in two <laughs> weeks' time, we're going to go... Why have I bought these 400 different albums by Peggy Seeger? And we'll find out it was her own kind of particular capitalist Manchurian candidate thing that she did. But no, that that, that was a wonderful thing to... It it is, that's one of the things I love about The Lion Weekend is the the variety of, of speakers and events and ideas. And very often it's only when you're kind of... You know, as as you depart Cardiff Station, you're still assimilating, and then new things spring up. You go, well, "Yeah, I heard someone talk mm. about this." And well, um, one, one of the brilliant things about it that makes it work like that is it's such a small place. There's what about six venues or mm. something. So there's uh, everything's walkable. You don't buy tickets for specific shows. I think this is a brilliant thing that mm. Richard and John have done, where you have a, a, a wristband that will get you into anything, and so you'll take a chance, wander into something that you hadn't necessarily planned or expected to go to just because it's on at a convenient moment or somebody else wants to go. So so that openness of mind mm. and receptivity to different performances and so on. Um, and you're talking right to the through. audience. There's not a, there's exactly, not, that, that, yeah, that, that, that divide is not really no there. Division. So you're outside Browns <coughs> having, having a pint yeah. with, with someone and you're not sure if they're the next poet to go on or just yeah. someone who's been yeah. been watching. And, and a lot of people as well from around... It, it's not as if, you know, some festivals you go to and it's almost as if, the, you know, the whole of London goes, we must go to this festival. But this, mm. this has the great advantage of the fact that it just... People who... It's just a bit too far away, unless yeah. you really have the heart for it. And you go, oh, hang on, we've got to get a Swansea, then we have to change trains, and yeah. then, we, then, we, then we have to get a bus from Carmarthen. Mm. And that's just enough to go, good, those mm. people will not bother. Yeah. And so the people who do, and also <coughs> an enormous number of local people come. And yeah. when, you, when you go into Browns, you know, there's, there's the, the guy who's always at the corner of the pub, who last night had a bottle of some weird orange vodka, wasn't it? Oh, the, which, the guy with the white Yeah, who's, the who's, who's yeah. always there when I, was, mm. when I was here doing the National Garden of Wales a while ago. Uh, what were you, you know, doing? Were you digging the board? Or oh, I do the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always do the autumn, uh, the autumn trimming. Yeah. Um, now you were the first event of uh, the Lion Weekend. I was. I kicked it all off. Now the last time I saw you was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival talking about your Machiavellian cat. Yes. Uh, uh, this yeah. was not your Machiavellian no. cat story. This was uh, called Gluten Free Jesus: Seven Easy Steps to Mindfulness, Weight Loss, um, Eternal Youth, Untold Riches, and Dealing with Disappointment. 
uh, and it's essentially the story. How much detail do you want me to go into here? You tell me. Well, because I, I missed it because I, I was. Okay. Tw- I, I, I got there 25 minutes late because I'd, I'd just arrived in Larm, and I know that with your stories, they're normally the, there's a complexity. If you've, <laughs> if you've missed the first five minutes, though the jokes themselves stand alone, I, I realise that I'm missing the main <laughs> gist of the narrative. Okay, so what happens is um, I go to New York to do a benefit in Brooklyn for hipsters who can't grow adequate facial hair. Very important cause. At the after party, I meet this 29-year-old New York heiress who is a Nobel Prize winner and Sports Illustrated swimwear uh, model and uh, magazine model. And she falls in love with me. It's, it's mutual. I'm kind of thrown, but I go with it. What, you know, what can you do? And um, as a result of that, um, I get... Through, through my engagement to her, I get introduced into the secret ways of the 1% who rule us. And the full nature of the conspiracy is uh, is revealed. And at the top of the pyramid are these, I can confirm, these uh, shape-shifting lizards from the constellation Draco. They're at the top of it. And my fiancé is one of them, but she's a rebel. She wants to blow the whole conspiracy wide open and change the world and make it fairer. Uh, and as a result of... On my stag night, I go to Amsterdam, and in one of the secret societies that I've been introduced into, um, I know that Jesus has been imprisoned in the Vatican dungeon because he came back to Earth to uh, to you know bring about the end times and change, and the Vatican locked him up because it was ruining their business model with his insistence on poverty and fairness. Um, the Pope was sort of compromised in his conscience. He went along with it, and then he was feeling guilty. Uh, this is the Pope, uh, Pope Benedict, mm. who, who who resigned in in 2013. Um, he couldn't go public because the Vatican gave his uh, search history. Google gave and, and Google gave his search history to WikiLeaks as a, a potential threat. So they they paid him off with silver as a nice ironic traditional touch, and they bought him a nice condo on that artificial island in Dubai where he now lives next door to Rio Ferdinand on one side and ex-President Karzai of Afghanistan on the other. Anyway, I go on my stag night to Amsterdam uh, with the former members of the band that I was in at school, and we had a terrible breakup just before our first big gig in Amsterdam when we were like 16, when our satanic lyric writing uh, lead singer Chris had a spliff for the first time, saw God and left the band um, and I wanted to affect this reconciliation between him and the other band members so we go to Amsterdam in a VW bus as we did the previous time and I'm telling Chris who is now losing his faith when we turn up at the venue where we were going to play it's, a, it's turned into a high class brothel we don't uh, we, we don't use the women for, for sex we just have a drink with them in the bar uh, and one of them uh, is going off periodically to whip somebody she's got chained up in a little side room dungeon my friend T- T- uh, Mike who is now a, a high court judge interested in all aspects of crime and punishment follows her down and it turns out it's the German Pope saying beat me, beat me, I'm a naughty bad ex-Pope I have betrayed my saviour so we then they think now that my stoned uh, uh, indiscretion saying that I know that Jesus is still alive is actually true, I wake up, we're in the VW bus heading for the Vatican to free Jesus from the dungeon and uh, we do that and he's chained up along actually with um, uh, Muhammad, Buddha, a couple of uh, Hindu gods, uh, Hanuman the monkey god and Ganesh the god of uh, overcoming obstacles and Richard Dawkins mm. who, who had a nervous breakdown when he met his other prisoners. Anyway we free them and we head to the castle in south of France where my wedding is going to take place 
just and the point is that if if I'm initiated into the one percent by marrying Aisha, the rest of the one percent will trust me, and then I can reveal more and more secrets and overturn the system. So everybody's there, all the moves and shakers, you know, Jeff Bezos, um, uh, Putin, Trump, uh, uh, Richard Branson, Murdoch, and so on, um, and um, and Jesus comes along, turns up right at the moment when does any man know of any just cause why these two should not be joined? And he says, yes, I do, because he lived in Glastonbury, you see, that that gets explained in the story, he lived it in, in the end. I, 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 I object, because they should not be married, not by you, Vicar, I'm going to marry these two to, as a favour to my mate Nick. So he gets up on the on the platform, and he's brought 5,000 uh, unwashed homeless people with him. He said, well, what happened was, on the way here, there was a little hill with some olive trees on it, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a go, see, how it's, see if I still got it. Well, you patently see I ain't lost a touch. And don't worry about the extra guests we won't run out of wine the fountain in the castle courtyard you will notice is now running with a rather cheeky shabbly you're welcome and he turns around and addresses the audience and then he sees that all the conspiracy the heads of the conspiracy who were active in imprisoning him in the vatican dungeon are in the congregation so he starts throwing thunderbolts and he turns the lake or the pond outside in the courtyard into a, a bubbling lake of excrement and he drives all the rich people into that and they're all screaming and so on and then he turns the bottom of it into gold watches and, and blingy trinkets and they're all not knowing whether to climb out or dive down to get more wealth and all the poor people are leaping and cheering and kicking them back in uh, and then essentially what happens is that uh, Buddha sees uh, Deepak Chopra and gets very angry you slag, monetizing my philosophy, I'm going to have you so Buddha starts beating up Deepak Chopra Hamid tries to stop the fight, right? And uh, David Hockney's been employed to draw drawings of all the guests, and he's drawing Mohammed uh, f- uh, trying to split up Buddha and Deepak Chopra. And my friend Sophie, who is a social worker from Ho, she says, "No, no, no! You must not draw Mohammed. It is forbidden." This is where Mohammed loses it. He says, "I never said that. I never said anything about you shall not draw me. All I said was that anything that man creates cannot compete in beauty and glory and perfection with which God creates. That's hardly a fat wire on sketching." And he's shaking Sophie in his anger. And and now Rupert Murdoch and Kelvin McKenzie get out their iPhones and start trying to stream this to embarrass, you know, Muhammad. Muhammad's shaking a, a female social worker. And this is where, when Jesus sees that, he throws the Tommy Cooper hands again and he throws a thunderbolt into Rupert Murdoch, which activates his social conscience for the first time in 90 years. So Murdoch is completely consumed by this cold blue flame that turns him into a pile of bones and and, and powder, and then everybody stops what they're doing to piss on Rupert Murdoch and stamp him into the ground, and gets back. And they get back to trying to climb out of the shit pool or push people back in, um, and then the rich people run away, and the poor people are stripping their Ferraris for parts and you know for secondhand selling them on eBay and blah blah blah. And it's just me and uh, Aisha and my mates, and Jesus is very upset that he's turned to violence and everybody else is comforting him and the Hindu gods say no calm down man it's okay maybe in the next life you will come back as a better messiah and he's even more upset by this and then Aisha my my fiance is very upset because she feels now that uh, I've blown the story too early and that the elite are forewarned and they'll crush the story and we had hello there you know to cover it um, and we, we reckoned it and sure enough hello the story gets spiked and nothing comes out so she goes back to the planet Draco and uh, um, there's a few details I've missed out. But that's so have the you basic ever been story. to Hollywood to do a 30-second pitch of an idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's it's like the the, the shape shifting alien uh, mm. idea. Is it, it reminds me of the fact that I think it was three years ago. David Icke was meant to be at Larn Weekend. Oh really? And he was going to be interviewed by um, Keith Allen, and it was oh, all, wow. all planned, and it was all meant to happen, and uh, and then he just he just never turned up. Mm. And uh, so Keith Allen's there in the uh, in the the main hall in in Larn, and uh, fortunately Bez from the Happy Mondays was there because oh, he'd right. come all the way down to watch David Icke talk. So um, Keith c- interviewed um, Bez, trying to talk about that, and it was. Um, yeah, didn't work. I mean, this, uh, that was one of those moments where you just go, these these things are perfect for Lana. A bit like uh, yeah. ha- Howard Marks once when he was uh, here, was had obviously been on a particular bender, which I imagine when he's somewhere like this, he's being offered everything by everyone. Yeah. And uh, and Richard Thomas, who's of course co-runs the, the festival with uh, with John, uh, Richard said, I kind of knew it was going to be a, it might have been a weird one. He said because just before he went on. Howard Marks looked at <laughs> yeah. us and said, "Have I been on yet?" Yes. Yes. And he thought, yes. "Right, this could be." Story. And he said, "Yeah." About the first ten minutes was Howard Marks <laughs> trying to work out how the chair actually, you know, what, what, how does a chair work? How do you sit right. in it? And then it went downhill. <laughs> um, but it was Richard's always kind of quite gleeful that these things yes. happened. Well, that's the other great thing. There's also it, all, it always <coughs> works really well. Everything's working really efficiently. But there's always a little bit of. There's a little bit of sort of frayedness around the edges here and there in a perfect way. I don't know, in the way that, in my opinion, a stand-up set should have a little bit of imperfection and, 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 and mistakes in it because it shows that you're trying to push an edge or trying to re- react to the moment, you know what I mean? And you only get the great ad-libs. You only get the great ad-libs if you fail a couple of times as well. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't need to tell you. You know, I, I don't mean that in a, in a rude, in a rude <laughs> yeah. way, but... Um, it, there's, yeah, it was a great because this year nearly everyone has turned up because normally there's something that happens and the one sad thing was David Soul was meant to be here. Oh yeah, and um, he unfortunately I, 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 I had to pull out and I just watched Salem's Lot again. Uh-huh. And, it, uh huh. Especially which is great. Yeah, I thought oh, I'm going to watch Salem's Lot again and just watching James Mason bow down to the master preacher man bow down to the master. <laughs> um, you stopped stand up for a while. Yeah, I in did. In fact, probably what nearly ten years. Yeah, or maybe ten more. years. Good ten years. And and in that point you were you were writing things like Drop the Dead Donkey? I was writing sitcoms, yeah, <coughs> Drop the Dead Donkey, um, and I wrote a couple of other things. I wrote on, uh, yeah, a lot of radio and a fair amount of TV, and I also wrote a couple of novels. And I, I mean, what I'm trying to do now... The novels kind of have a similarity between, what was that, House of the... House of the Spirit Levels yeah. and Night of the Toxic Ostrich, yeah. Mm. And I, I like kind of trying to mix something that's got some kind of satirical contemporary comment and relevance for example you know i did want to parody conspiracy theories and so on but not in a not in a in, in a more imaginative way and in, in that gluten-free jesus show and i i really enjoy trying to mix the 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 real and the everyday with the surreal mm. and, and and take people on on a story you know i love fairy tales and uh, and, and magical realist fiction and so on and in the last couple of Edinburgh shows, I'm concentrating on trying to do long shows because, as you can imagine, they do take more than 20 minutes, my yeah. stories, to, to give them full justice. And I really like that challenge of putting a, a good structure together and finding a way to make this, to, to pull people into this craziness. It was really pleasing when I did that show in Edinburgh two years ago, the Gluten Free Jesus one. People were coming up to me, not 
hundreds, but a few people saying, hey, what's this I hear about you splitting up with Muriel, who I've been with for 30 odd years, to, to take up with some 29 year old New York heiress? <laughs> and, and I'm saying, what, the one who turns into an extraterrestrial lizard halfway through the show? But I love the fact that people were obviously, you know, not quite sure whether. Where the, where the dividing line between true autobiography and invention was. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do that kind of show now more uh, as my live work. Um, the new one that I'm going to be doing in Edinburgh this year, I'm doing a radio series called Broken Dreamcatcher, and it'll be probably a half-hour version of that show and a half-hour version of uh, Lily, Evil Cat Queen of Earth Planet and The Laughing Fridge, which is where my cat gets um, hyper-intelligent through a neural lace and together with my... Don't give me another summary. No, we no, haven't no, got no, time. No, the I'm memory not, card's no, 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 nearly no. finished. Uh, she, she takes over the world with my smart house. Or tries to. Which was great, which I really enjoyed. And, and is, 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 is fun because there is a point where you look at you and you kind of think that even you're going, do you know what? I really don't know if this is going to fit in 60 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certain, I mean, you, you talk at an incredible speed throughout, but there's a point where even you went, oh, I think there might have been a vague digression. <laughs> and it only takes a vague digression. And the narrative yeah. arc is beginning to fracture. Well, the, the, the one problem that I'm trying to work, uh, preempt for the for the radio is that on stage that frenetic pace has a has a, a dramatic mm. benefit but I think coming out of the radio if I'm going at that pace it, it people won't be able to connect so I'm having to slash the shows that were fighting to be contained in an hour um, I've got to get them down to half an hour and it's quite an interesting challenge actually when you've written something and you've got a bit of distance thinking how can I get at least half of this out and still make it work but I think I'm getting there Sarah Kendall's Australian trilogy they were, which is, they were is, is magnificent but that mm. was that was fascinating to have both seen the hour long version and see yeah. how yeah. she could turn it into and the hour long version you don't think there was nothing extraneous there exactly and yet at the same time she's managed to <clears> through, and, that, and that was yeah. well I'm taking a lot of comfort from listening to the radio versions of Sarah's shows because I know it can be done you know um and then what I'm doing for the others is I'm writing new episodes, which I'm trying to get the structure from the from the go from the get go uh, manageable within half an hour. I've got the broken dream catcher is um, how I'm staying in a house where there's a broken Navajo dream catcher, and I always thought I don't know whether you knew this. I always thought they were just sort of folklorey, you know, bits of kitsch. But in fact, this one was broken, and the cat and I came down one day, and uh, the whole. Uh, living room was full of uh, bits of bad dreams that he had escaped from the dream catcher and it created this psychic chaos in my area because everybody's bits of subconscious were revealing themselves to everybody else and uh, it you know causes a lot of trouble um, but I sort it out and then I've got one called Vladimir Putin's bottom is missing and that's possibly that's going to be that's go the that's end of the show a, as well yeah along with Clash of the Hipster Shamans um, and uh, Central Asia's most brutal dictators and their lovely homes. Um, th those are the favourites for the radio series at the moment. And also, I'll probably take one of those stories and uh, and use it as the core of the Edinburgh one, and then go off on the odd tangent into the others. Are you a fan of uh, Robert Anton Wilson at all, the Illuminatus trilogy? And uh... no, I'm kind of <coughs> obviously I'm familiar with the territory, but I've not read them. No. I just wondered again in terms of these uh, incredibly entwined uh, uh, kind of mixture of uh, Machiavellian and conspiracy ideas. One final question: What, what apart from Peggy Seeger, obviously, mm. what uh, have 
of, of what you've seen here, something, I mean, this is a great thing, you just turn up and you don't always know yes. much about someone who's speaking. What have been the other, an, another moment where you just thought that has placed new thoughts in my head? Oh, well, that's... Okay, Adam Kay. I was his, mm. his. He was reading from his 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 diaries. You know, the the, the, the his time as a junior doctor, and um, I suppose. I mean, technically, I thought, apart from the passion with which he tells the story, and it's it's extraordinary. Um, his technical touch here and there is just so lovely. Um, it's almost kind of poetic. Some of the yeah. concision, um, but everything's been been entertaining in one way or another I mean when we went to see the the harp and the uh, Cora, Cora player, player yeah. last night there was a beautiful the two instruments just yeah the way the two of them play together if you close your eyes you wouldn't necessarily be able to work out which notes were coming from which instrument and it was in this chapel which had really good acoustics and I wouldn't say it opened my mind to new ideas but it was it was a wonderful experience yeah, I remember seeing Robin Hitchcock there as well, uh-huh. which was which was fascinating because when he stood on on what what one can become the stage, really, you know that it's it's uh, it's not a pulpit mm. in that particular church. It was like he didn't feel quite comfortable, and then towards the end of the show, he just started to just move down to the same level of the audience. And, and Robin Hitchcock always has this fascinating way sometimes of almost checking the acoustics. Sometimes when you mm-hmm. watch him play, in uh, in uh, he, he'll just kind of start singing without a microphone as if he's searching out for what for bounces the, the where, spot. and he just hit this point. Uh-huh. Where when he when he walked down the steps and then just played on the same level as the uh, congregation, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was magnificent. Thanks, Nick Robin. Hey, thank you, Robin Ince. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robin's book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. Yeah.